There's so much health advice out there, lots of different voices and opinions, but who can you trust? Trust the experts, the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them tough, intimate health questions so you get the answers you need. This is the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Zaleski, and today we're talking with dietitian Maxine Smith about incorporating nutrition and mindfulness going into the new year. During the holiday season, it's understandable that you might overindulge on unhealthy food or get off track with their usual exercise routine. That's why so many of us see a new year as a chance to adopt healthier fitness habits and diets. While slow and steady progress is the best way to see positive health changes over time, it's understandable that we may want to see immediate results or take an all or nothing approach to our health. Maxine Smith is here to talk about how to avoid that panic and instead reassess our lives and revisit our usual routines or make new ones in a mindful way. Maxine, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Annie. I look forward to it. All right. Well, let's dig in. So I guess first off, this is the big question. Why do people tend to overdo it in the new year? What is it about a calendar flipping to January that wants us to make changes and make changes now? Uh, There's there's a lot there. So I think after uh, the holiday season um, and uh, straying from our typical habits, there's a desire to get back to some kind of normalcy. Uh, Things may have been crazy um, over the holidays and... uh, you know, we just, I think it's basic human nature to want to regain some control over our lives. And one way to do that is through our eating patterns and uh, regaining some structure in that area. Um, we might also feel some of the negative uh, consequences of uh, overindulging over these dark winter months um, when we're not outside and active as much. Uh, so uh, that could be, have been going on for a couple months that, um, you know, we, maybe we've been eating more comfort foods, richer foods, uh, and our bodies are starting to feel the toll of that. Um, you know, whether it's uh, indigestion or uh, a tightened uh, you know, waistline and we're feeling a little bit stuffed in our clothes. So all those things uh, could be calling out saying, you know, okay, it's time to do something. And also uh, you know, getting a little bit tired of the winter months, we may already be looking forward to uh, spring break or the summer months and uh, anticipating, uh, you know, how we're going to uh, feel doing some of those activities, how we're going to uh, look on the beach. Uh, so there's different reasons that, uh, for different people why they, they want to start making some changes. Well, you mentioned that, you know, uh, rich holiday food and drinks, you know, or something that obviously people tend to, you know, indulge in, you know, what does having poor eating habits temporarily, maybe for a month or two, do to our bodies and how quickly does a poor diet kind of affect our overall health? So, uh, yeah, anybody that's, uh, you know, overindulged at a, at a meal, uh, can attest to the fact that, uh, you know, we can start feeling that pretty quickly. Um, you know, we could, uh, have indigestion. Um, we could, um, it can definitely, uh, carry on in, into the evening hours. So it can affect, uh, you know, how we sleep and uh, the quality of our sleep because our 
when our bodies are supposed to be repairing themselves, instead they're busy trying to digest our food. Um, it could uh, lead people to have more heartburn, which is, which is exacerbated when we're lying um, down. Um, you know, it can, we can start even feeling the effects the next day. We might wake up feeling a little, you know, that our uh, ankles are swollen or we're a little bit heavier. If we had a meal, uh, even the night before, that was uh, laden with salt and carbs, and we're not used to eating all of those things um, in particular, uh, we're going to hold on to uh, more fluid uh, that can uh, take a toll on our bodies. So we can start feeling these uh, effects pretty quickly. Um, our body is quite adaptable, however. So, uh, you know, are you going to have a, uh, you know, a big change in you know, all the physiological functions in the body? You know, no. Um, we have our great liver that is a manufacturing plant for um, our body and uh, that is able to clean toxins out of our body. We have uh, our kidney that is a great filtering system for our body that can filter out waste. So as long as our uh, bodies and our organs are working uh, fairly well, our bodies uh, can handle these uh, short-term assaults on our body. Uh, a lot of people are concerned now about the um, gut garden, as I call it, or you know the, the bacteria and yeast or the microbiome, and um, which is responsible for many functions in our body, including the immune system, which we're uh, all very um, conscientious of at this time. Um, and as one uh, documentary called it, the second brain. So, um, uh, you know, as far as having an effect on um, our microbiome, it, it might take a little bit longer than some uh, just short-term uh, unintentional uh, unhealthy eating habits. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's good to know that, you know, it's that, a, you know, a couple months of, you know, just poor eating habits, you know, it won't, you know, do damage right away. But at the same time, obviously you want to get back to eating better, but why is it so difficult to kind of undo poor eating habits and make better choices once you kind of get in the habit of maybe having an extra piece of chocolate or an extra cookie late at night? Yeah, yeah. Well, we have this uh, you know, very logical part of our brain, um, that executive uh, functioning part of our brain that uh, you know make um, can make very logical decisions about eating. Um, uh, you know, as far as what's healthy, when to eat, uh, and so forth. But then we have this very habitual part of our brain that um, can be captivated very easily uh, by uh, tempting uh, culinary delights. Uh, so. Uh, foods that are uh, uh, the um, either sweet, salty, high in fat, uh, the turbo trio, um, and they can they can um, you know captivate um, certain functions in our brain um, that make them uh, have a very rewarding and pleasurable effect in our brain, uh, the more primitive part of our brain, and uh, so uh, then and then uh, this kind of the desire for those foods can also um, be stimulated by things like stress or um, we feel like we need a reward. Um, and a lot of these things happen during the holidays. I think everyone can attest to the holidays being a bit stressful. Um, and then um, it, in, and food does uh, alleviate uh, those things, especially the foods that are uh, sweet and high in fat and so forth. So, um, and our brain um, is very good at remembering that connection. So. Um, if it uh, did, if we did uh, have, um, you know, some rich dessert on a regular basis, our uh, brains um, remember that, oh yeah, this did help alleviate some stress. And 
So very easily then uh, the next time we feel stressed, um, our brain says, oh, that worked last time. So um, I think uh, I'm gonna tell uh, him or her to you know, go, go do it again. And food is readily available. So it's very culturally acceptable. So it's an easy go-to. So um, yeah, our brains um, are uh, pretty, pretty uh, mystifying and have more power over our decisions than we would like to think. It makes sense. So if you have a really delicious chocolate dessert and you felt better after it, of course, you're going to you know, reach for that. So that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Absolutely. We want to feel good. And yeah, you know, to some extent, it's a survival uh, mechanism too, or, or uh, primitively in a, in a time of famine, um, it would be important that our brains remembered where uh, high calorie um, foods are, those rich food sources, because those are the ones that are going to sustain you, put on the calories, put on the pounds and uh, get you through possibly the next famine that's coming up. So um, or, you know, it's, it's, it does, it is that mechanism happens for a purpose. So, you know, obviously, you know, all that, you know, a lot of that stuff you can't, or you shouldn't be eating those rich desserts over and over again. That's not necessarily over time. Good for you. So one thing that people turn to is a fad diet. Um, can you talk a little bit about what a fad diet is and maybe why these are not the best option for you? Yes, uh, there's uh, a cycle of fad diets. Um, I've been um, a dietitian for 30 years, so I, I've seen a lot of them, and often they're recycled under you know different authors and different names, and uh, just a little bit of a tweak on on, on the original version. It's kind of like uh, clothing, you know. Um, they if you if you live long enough, it'll come back in style. So <laughs> and maybe just with a little tweak. Um, bell bottoms, yes, will come come back in again. So uh, a lot of a lot of these fad diets are are like that. Um, they often don't have a lot of uh, scientific basis behind them or a lot of research. Um, so uh, yeah, they you know, may work for some people. Um, they may not work for other people. Um, often, you know, they'll be celebrity promoted. So that can be a warning sign. Uh, they often will not be a well-balanced diet. Uh, some of the more researched diets, uh, it's hard to make them sexy. Um, you know, it, uh, the plate model, the Mediterranean diet, we hear about these things so often that they, they can become boring. So often these uh, bad diets have a bit of a lure to them and are uh, excitement to them, they, the way they are marketed. Um, they often, though, eliminate particular food groups. So that is something uh, to be wary about. They can um, often um, accentuate certain foods and uh, glamorize certain foods while um, villainizing other foods. So they can be uh, wind up providing an unhealthy diet, maybe not so much in a very short term, but if that diet was to be continued. Uh, yeah, another thing about a fad diet is that uh, it, it will give you a time limit. Uh, 21 days seems to be a very popular uh, time frame. Um, 21 days, 30 days. Uh, so it has a very short-term focus. And often, uh, yeah, but that's very enticing to somebody because they feel that, well, I can do anything for about 21 days and then I, you know, I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. But uh, fad diets often will not have a long-term plan. So um, it'll be, yes, you may repeat this, uh, but it may not be a sustainable eating plan. 
And that's, you know, I think that's both of those things are really good point that you want to, you know, over time, um, you know, change your diet. Like that's, that's the best thing for healthier living is to kind of make sustained changes and these fad diets, you know, you might be missing out on something crucial, you know, from a vitamin or a mineral standpoint or something that really helps your, you know, body stay, you know, running properly. So I think those are both really good points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Food is medicine, and uh, it's uh, the last uh, article I read indicated there's twenty over twenty five thousand different biochemicals in food that work synergistically together to keep our cells healthy and uh, for our bodies to be able to do the things that um, they were intended to do and that we enjoy doing. And uh, yeah, starting to eliminate a lot of foods can can get us into trouble. You know, so at the same time, you know, dieting can be very, very tough this time of year, you know, not just because of uh, holidays and making new starts, but colder weather can, you know, make you want to eat certain foods more than others. Uh, and it also makes outdoor activities difficult. So, you know, people tend to gain some weight in the fall and winter. Um, so what kind of diet is ideal for this time of year then? What do you suggest? Well, there isn't one diet that is appropriate for everybody. The the vet and patients hate when I say that because they want a very directive approach. Um, but it, it's so true. Um, there are many different kinds of eating patterns that can be associated with health. Some of those that have a lot of research behind them are uh, plant-rich eating patterns that are lower in animal foods, particularly those that are high in animal fat. So that may be um, the classic Mediterranean type of diet that uh, you may have heard of uh, before. Um, U.S. News and World Report uh, evaluates diets every year, and it's popped up to the top of their diet recommendations uh, over the past few years, surpassing the, even the DASH diet, which is the dietary approaches to stop hypertension, which is a similar type of eating pattern uh, that is very plant rich. It may not focus um, on the, some of those uh, Mediterranean types of foods such as olive oil, um, as many nuts and seeds and so forth or fish, but uh, it's still considered a, a very healthy eating model. Um, you have um, um, plant-based diets, which has, have gained uh, popularity over the years. It's not for everybody, especially those big meat and potato eaters, but uh, it can, if it's carefully constructed and uh, with some guidance of a, a dietitian, preferably, um, it could be a very healthy uh, eating pattern for some. Um, there are, uh, you know, some others, but those are those are some of those main uh, diet models that are considered quite healthy. Uh, that being said, um, the best diet is really uh, one that uh, offers a lot of nutrients, but that one also finds sustainable and they, they can really picture themselves growing um, in, that, in that eating pattern and continuing over time, uh, that it's not just a short fix for somebody. Um, and sometimes this takes some trial and error it, it, you know, to find out um, you know, how sustainable this is for us. Uh, some people, uh, including my son, has dabbled in a, a plant-based diet. Uh, you know, they may have seen a documentary or whatnot that stimulated their interest and 
it's okay to, to try that type of eating pattern and, and see if you think it might be for you. Um, for him, he lasted, I think, a total of 10 days. Um, other people, they may, uh, you know, find that, oh, I really enjoy these types of foods. And, and you know, this is a new adventure for me to explore new recipes. So, uh, you know, they may find it more sustainable. You also want to consider uh, people that you live with. It might be a little bit difficult if uh, your spouse is a meat and potatoes lover and uh, or if you live in a, if you live in Texas, I always use that as an example because um, Texans really like their red meat. But <laughs> but um, it might be a little more difficult to yeah to go to a plant based or you know, vegetarian diet. Um, you know if you're cooking cooking for the family because uh, you may be cooking a couple different meals. So uh, you there's um, you know, uh, those uh, family uh, considerations, cultural considerations, how much pressure you're going to have from your family to eat a certain way, or uh, are there particular cultures that revolve around eating in your family that are important to you uh, that you want to continue? Um, so uh, yeah, food is complex, so there's not a simple answer, uh, but can, you know, just taking a step back and thinking, what, what is important to me when it comes to eating? And uh, you know, what, what kind of support am I gonna have from my family and friends as I move forward? That is really reassuring though, that, you know, there's, there's not any one size fits all solution that you can look at something that works with your life and that fits with your life. And if you try something and it doesn't work, there are other options, you know, that makes it a little less black and white then. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And we're finding out more and more about that with personalized nutrition that uh, as, as we grow in that area, which is so exciting as we uh, have more tests to a really scientific test to confirm that, yeah, one size doesn't fit all. And that uh, based on our genetics, based on our microbiome, uh, we're, we're going to find out that uh, we're much more individualized as far as what foods are uh, good for one or um, less healthy for another. And also how um, our tastes are affected um, by these factors. You know, so one of the things, obviously, uh, you know, physical activity, you know, as difficult as it can be is really vital to our overall health. What is kind of the role does exercise play alongside dietary changes or maybe, you know, trying a plant-based diet? Yes. Well, the general guidelines for exercise for health purposes uh, is about 150 minutes of exercise a week. Uh, and uh, preferably including uh, two days a week of uh, including resistance exercise. So um, uh, when you consider and you uh, how much that is in a week, it, it could be quite manageable. It's not uh, we don't have to become uh, marathon runners or uh, you know bodybuilders. Um, it mo you know mo moderate exercise can make a big difference. Uh, not so much as far as uh, weight loss. So exercise um, does not play a huge part in weight loss. For weight maintenance, it's very important. Um, it helps offset some of those factors that lead to weight regain. Um, it can so exercise is very very important in, in that manner. Um, also, um, exercise helps decrease stress. Uh, we all know that um, it acts on the brain to decrease stress and. Many, many people eat out of stress. Uh, so just the fact that 
um, you know, we're reducing our stress levels, um, it can make a big difference. Also, it's pretty fascinating as far as uh, the effect on the reward center in our brain. They've done studies where they can observe the how the brain functions. And um, I sh when people are introduced to an uh, image of something highly palatable, um, I think that they may have used something like a Twinkie. It wouldn't be my first choice, but uh, you know, it's something very, very sugary. And um, you know, they can see the way the brain reacts before and after exercise. And the brain lights up a lot more in, in the reward center of the brain uh, when a person does not exercise versus after they've exercised, um, you can, that uh, expression of the brain is very diminished. Uh, so it may help quite a bit with uh, impulsive eating um, as far as increasing impulse control. And a lot of people uh, just, uh, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, they, they will tell me, uh, Boy, when I start exercising, I just find myself eating better. Um, yeah, I just want healthier foods and I'm not as tempted to grab that sweet. Uh, a lot of people will also take a look at that calorie readout on their treadmill and say, wow, you know, I just, I only burned 200 calories in that 20 minutes of, of exercise. Um, you know, I can, I can, uh, eat one, uh, uh, what, a protein bar and, uh, a glorified candy bar, in essence, and you know, that that's uh, you know it takes that much effort to burn. So in my you know, mind, I can't rationalize eating that. So um, people start uh, you know weighing um, the that uh, calorie those calories and determining if it's really worth it. Uh, so uh, exercise also helps people sleep better um, and improves digestion. So you can gain benefits that way, um, huge benefits. Uh, exercise, uh, particularly if not done too close to bed, because then it can be stimulating, um, can improve sleep. Sleep is so important for regulating hunger and satiety hormones in our brain. So if we get good sleep, we're, we're going to have better regulation over uh, cravings. Um, we will find that often that we'll get full on a smaller amount of food. And it makes sense because if our body is deprived of energy because we're tired, um, our brain is going to say, oh, I need quick energy. What's quick energy? Sugar, right? Um, so it will give us that temporary lift, but we'll also probably um, have a crash after that. Um, and digestion, boy, you can't overestimate the benefits on digestion. It keeps that digestive tract working. Um, so if somebody particularly is prone to heartburn or um, constipation, uh, it, it can be uh, crucial, uh, making a difference in that respect. That's very helpful that, you know, once you start working out, you do see changes and can sense changes in you, you know, that that's kind of great motivation to keep working out that if you can, you know, see, Hey, you know, maybe I don't want to, you know, Hey, maybe I'm not going to have this extra bit of dessert later, or, you know, I see exactly what it took to burn those calories. Maybe I'll back off. You know, it's, it's, it's good to kind of, it's, it's, you know, motivation is always difficult to help you work out so that that's good to hear that those, you have those little side posts that are telling you you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you might have a little bit more spring in your step or um, you just feel a little bit um, toner. So you're carrying your body a little bit more erect. Um, also, it can, uh, you might find that yeah, you have, you have more energy. I always say, you know, especially with muscle and uh, aging, uh, that muscle likes to break down very quickly. So uh, it takes really consistent resistance exercise. But, you know, one complaint that people have, especially in the winter months, is that they're tired and they feel like they're dragging. We don't have that stimulating sunlight and we're not getting out as much and so forth. So 
um, the, um, if you have more muscle, uh, your weight may be the same, but maybe uh, you, you gain some muscle and lost a little bit of fat. And um, that can be like uh, running um, a, you know, uh, a car with a, a super engine and you would just have that extra lift um, opposed to losing muscle, which can happen quite quickly if we're just sitting around in the winter months in front of the fireplace or the TV, um, you lose muscle and it's more like trying to drive a car with a lawnmower engine. You don't have that oomph, you know, behind every step you take in every day. Um, so that's one great rewarding factor uh, is that uh, burst in energy you can feel 10 years younger by gaining a little bit of muscle. Excellent. That's awesome. So I guess, I, you know, as we look in the new year then, um, you know, what are some good first steps um, someone can take to ease into getting your diet back on track after, you know, a period of overindulging? You know, I think getting started and taking that first step can be very daunting sometimes, you know, so what do you tell people? Yeah, well, in, I, I think the new year uh, is, a, is a time for reflection and, uh, you know, to think about your life, to think about your, your values, um, what's important to you. Uh, and you can tie that into uh, your eating too, uh, in that reflection. What, what is important to me um, as far as my eating? Why do you know, I want to make some changes? Um, and, uh, and then once you've evaluated that, trying try to get others on board um, because they might think you've gone a little crazy if all of a sudden you just uh, yeah, start uh, eating totally different, you know, ditching everything out of the house. So uh, it's good to have that conversation with others and uh, to gain their support in any changes that you anticipate making and explaining to them why this is important to you. Um, definitely, uh, yeah, kind of reassessing your environment and environment has a huge impact on what we eat. Uh, if anybody that uh, has had kids that go out trick-or-treating and, you know, they bring home their uh, Halloween candy uh, can attest to that. If it's sitting around, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be more tempted to eat it. So uh, kind of reassessing that environment, maybe uh, getting rid of some of those things that are just hanging around that uh, don't have even that enjoyable uh, impact anymore. Uh, they're just uh, you know, leftovers from, from the holidays, whatnot. Um, and then uh, thinking of some uh, healthy foods that you can start bringing in the house. Um, they may not be um, you know, uh, you're going to want, still want to consider uh, things that may be seasonal. Uh, if you're living in a cold environment, it's probably not going to be okay. I'm going to start eating a, a lot of salads in the middle of the winter, but maybe, yeah, um, yeah, bringing in some more vegetables in the form of some soups or stews or um, roasted vegetables. So, um, you know, thinking of those things that uh, would be, of course, healthy for you, but also that uh, it can, uh, you can enjoy during that particular time of the year. You know, so I, I liked all of those ideas because they're very, they're easy things that aren't necessarily completely life-changing. They're just kind of small incremental changes then. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, as we talked about with fad diets, some people might make some very extreme changes, um, which, or changes all at once, which can, you know, might not stick. You know, so what are some tips to, to, for people so they don't do that? So they kind of look at their life and decide, okay, I'm going to make these tiny changes that I can do that'll probably more long, be more long lasting. Yeah. Well, I, if you consider 
anytime that you try to change a lot of things at once, so think back to your history, uh, how long did that last before you felt defeated? Uh, if anybody has had uh, a compromised manager and they came into the workplace and decided to you know, change everything according to their new style, uh, how, how receptive are those employees going to be to you know, a lot of changes at once? Uh, you know, they might get burned out. They might get resentful. Um, it's 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 really the same same thing with eating. Um, we we want to make uh, you know set set small incremental changes uh, that we are 80, 90 percent sure that we can um, continue with and we can be successful with. Uh, it's better to I'll have people come back and say, you know what. The one thing I changed uh, this year, because I see people for uh, nutrition, physicals primarily, and they'll say, uh, so I'll see them about once a year, and they'll say, I uh, stopped using um, artificial sweeteners. So yeah, they, that's huge success that they have continued to work on that and have done that for an entire year. And incrementally, they've gotten these artificial sweeteners out of their diet. Yeah, they might still be eating too much red meat, they might be snacking too much, but they were successful at reaching that one goal. And uh, we are, you know, we are, we cannot uh, just focus on, you know, our eating. Uh, we have a lot of other goals in our life that we need to be focused on. So changing one or two things is, is huge. Uh, we can continue to uh, build on those as we go along. And once we feel success in one area, uh, it, it builds our confidence to move on and tackle another one. And uh, it gives us practice as to how to, um, make gradual changes, um, the challenges that we'll be faced with uh, when we uh, have to make that change in different environments and situations, um, how we're going to handle uh, um, uh, other people that, you know, try to get us off, get us off track or, uh, you know, the powerful influences of uh, the food industry and, you know, the diet industry and so forth that tries to get us off track. So um, making a, a small change can really carry us a long way. Um, also, instead of focusing on uh, the outcome or the ultimate goal, which may be a healthier diet to lose weight, um, focusing more on how can um, I build healthy skills. So um, fo focusing on those skills, what skills do I need to develop to, um, you know, to achieve my goal? It's like if you're searching for a college degree, well, your ultimate goal might be that college degree, but you, you may have to take, you know, a lot of classes in order to build your skills in order to, you know, pass that, uh, get that degree, pass that final exam. Um, you might even have to take some prerequisites if you're not at the same level with everybody else. Uh, so in, in the same way, you want to build those skills. Uh, just like building a, or, or remodeling a house. I say, you know, that we're, when we're remodeling, when we want to remodel our bodies and our habits, it's like remodeling a house. Um, yeah, you have this ultimate dream picture in your mind of what your house is going to be like. But you got to break it down. You know, what's the priorities? Well, it may be, um, you know, my bathroom is, has, hasn't been remodeled for, you know, 30 years. So, um, and things are starting to break down and not function as well in that area. So, you know, that's going to be my priority. And then you have to decide, okay, well, what kind of resources do I need uh, to, um, to remodel that bathroom? So you're going to need money. You're going to need time. Um, you may, or if you want to do it yourself, you're going to need to have the skills, know how to use the hammer. Uh, so in the same way, when we're uh, remodeling our diet, we want to think, okay, what kind of what kind of skills do I have? What kind of support do I have? What, how much time do I have, you know, to put into making this change? 
Um, and so it might be that you need to develop some more skills. Uh, if you want to stop eating out as much and or depending on DoorDash nowadays, uh, it might be that, uh, yeah, I know that this food isn't the healthiest for me from the restaurants, but what are my alternatives? So in, if, if, especially if you don't have a lot of cooking skills. So it might be taking a uh, virtual cooking class or uh, making a goal for some uh, weekly, look up a, a YouTube uh, video on simple fish preparation, um, whatever it may be to build those cooking skills. It might be that you have no idea what healthy portions are. So doing a little bit of research into that, you might not have the tools. You might need to go buy a, a set of measuring cups and, or a, a kitchen scale uh, so that you can get more information. So um, yeah, so setting the goals more towards building skills, which I think can be a much more uh, exciting adventure than uh, trying to uh, reach an ultimate goal, which we don't have a lot of control over sometimes. And, you know, breaking something down into maybe smaller incremental milestones also makes something feel more achievable. It feels less overwhelming when you're saying, hey, you know, I'm just going to reach this small thing or, you know, going out to the store to buy something, you know, then you feel accomplished doing that little thing. And that also, again, keeps you motivated. Yeah, absolutely. And, and noting those improvements, because you're not going to be, you're not going to hit your target every single time. But um yeah, how many times have I uh, gone to the grocery store with a list uh, over the past month uh, versus not? And is this improving um, as far as um, you know, just uh, casually dropping in the grocery store uh, because I have a craving? Um, so um, yeah, that still is likely to happen. So you have to uh, um, expect progress and not perfection. So, you know, something else, uh, a tool that people have been sort of adopting more and more, I think is mindful eating. Um, can you tell us what mindful eating is and then how to incorporate that in the new year? Yes. Well, I think most of us can attest to that it doesn't take much to eat mindlessly. Um, there, uh, food is just such a part of everyday life and uh, is pushed to a great extent and so readily accessible that uh, um, mindless eating is is, is is quite easy to do. Um, but mindful eating really uh, focuses on the why and the how of eating uh, versus uh, what's promoted by many diets, which is more the what to eat, how much to eat, maybe even when to eat. Um, so it's a it's a in, much more of an internal versus external approach uh, to eating, which can be very freeing and very lasting as far as its benefits. Uh, mindful eating, grew out of uh, general mindfulness theory and practices. And, uh, and there, there's three basic components that cross over there. And the first is uh, eating with intention. So um, again, um, eating, it can be, it doesn't take a lot of intention, but um, it's part of mindful eating is, is to consider, you know, the why. So what, what is my intention for eating? Um, and that may be you know, to improve my health. It may be um, to uh, improve, uh, improve my energy, my uh, digestion. Um, it, it could be because my clothes aren't fitting well and I don't want to go out and buy a new wardrobe. So you know, there's a lot of different, different reasons. So um, it, considering the why uh, that you want to eat is, is very important. Um, and, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, the, the food industry and uh, the diet industry uh, 
has captivated us to some extent uh, to try to manipulate this um, as far as the, you know, why we should or want to eat. Um, uh, it could, uh, you know, being a foodie is uh, kind of a common thing and uh, it can be glamorized. Snacking has been glamorized, um, which is a very popular thing. Um, a lot of the foods that haven't been as popular and selling as much as is being uh, advertised as snacking, uh, snack foods now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so, you know, really thinking about my values and, you know, why um, is it important for me personally um, to eat healthfully? Um, so intentional, being intentional about what you eat, um, also when you eat and why you eat. So thinking about those things. Um, the other second factor is um, eating with attention to your food. Uh, you know, how, how good are you at uh, doing other things while you eat? It, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to uh, do a lot of things. You know, we walk and eat. We, um, some of us talk and eat. We are on our uh, computers while we eat. We're eating while we're reading, eating while we're watching TV, eating, standing up. Um, and uh, we eat with uh, you know, a lot of distractions from children and other people. So uh, we're, it, we're not giving um, a focus to... Um, what we're eating and how the food tastes and savoring our foods um, as we once were. And we're in a rushed world and, uh, you know, lengthy meals where we have the opportunity to really savor our foods um, can be quite passe. Um, so bringing um, more attention to eating is part of mindful eating um, and making time for that. And the, lastly, there's uh, the attitude aspect um, of food. So intentional eating, eating with attention and then lastly attitude uh, and we can have very very negative attitudes about eating um, I, you know I, I if not ourselves we know people that have very bad relationships with food, with food and yeah that can go way back I mean it can go back the way back to childhood and shaming you know by a parent or teasing you know from classmates um, it, it doesn't you know take much uh, to be shamed uh, uh, when we choose certain foods or we choose, choose certain amounts of foods, um, you know, the, the lovely aspect of uh, mindful eating is that it's a loving and uh, self-loving and non-shaming uh, kind approach to eating. And uh, you're replacing a lot of those do's and don'ts of eating with uh, just an attitude of exploration and curiosity uh, without judging um, do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs and applying moral implications to foods that should not be part of eating. And, you know, everything you just said, they're really, uh, you know, dovetails with making better choices in the new year. You know, it seems like this is really a complimentary thing for someone looking to make changes. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we uh, all want to be kind to ourselves and loving to ourselves and uh, just like we want to be to those we love and our children and you know sometimes we're so tough on ourselves and uh so condemning of ourselves and uh would you would you, we treat a child like that would we treat our children like you know that but uh we have these expectations of ourselves that uh are not really healthy sometimes or, or not constructive uh so having a positive attitude about eating is, is so important. Um, I'll tell my patients, I said, the one thing that will um, be your demise is if you have a negative attitude 
or if you feel deprived, um, because nobody wants to feel deprived. And once you do, um, you are um, likely to fail, very likely to fail. Um, so, you know, if somebody says, I can't have something to eat, I think it's very important to catch them, uh, catch yourself saying that. And, and you want to change that into a positive statement. Um, I choose not to eat that. So uh, as far as an approach, it's a, a very empowering ap approach uh, versus a deprivation approach. It's regaining uh, your control over food whether, rather than letting it take control of you. So it sounds like, you know, for, for starters, kind of changing our mindset is, is a good, you know, one good way to start easing into mindful eating. What are some other tips for anyone who maybe wants to kind of explore that in the new year? Um, yes, uh, there are uh, some exercises uh, that you can do. Um, and it is a practice and it can, it has been shown to be able to transform the brain and, uh, as far as cravings and uh, other things that like to take control again um, of our eating habits, um, which is really cool. It's it's like reformatting the hard drive of your brain. It can start responding differently to a lot of those different eating cues out there. Um, and uh, that is really what it takes is, is that reformatting of our brain. Um, but there are some uh, great exercises um, and we have done these in classes where um, a person practices uh, being mindful while they're eating a particular snack. Um, they're uh, um, paying attention, turning out all distractions, paying attention to all the sensory um, uh, implications of the food, uh, all the different sensory uh, aspects of the food, and um, just practicing savoring, savoring it. Also paying attention to uh, how that food may make, help them uh, feel in the short term. Um, you know, does it is it provide does that food provide me with energy or um, does it provide me with a strong desire a craving to eat more of that food and whatnot? Um, but again, not uh, judging that food as good or bad. Uh, there's some really uh, good uh, practices uh, at, at some at a few different um, uh, locations um, or a few different apps there on the web. Um, one is the Center for Mindful Eating. So if you just go to the resources or practices tab at uh, the tcme.org, the uh, Center for Mindful Eating um, .org, they'll have some practices, uh, the audio practices that you can practice. Um, one of my uh, favorite ones that I always uh, uh, will do if I do a mindful eating practice with a group of people um, is one that includes aliens, cartoon aliens. And it's one that you can even do with your family. And uh, I just say, uh, Google uh, alien uh, uh, animation, alien animation or alien cartoon mindful eating. It's an easy way to remember it. And uh, I think it's by GoZen Company. But um, it's one even kids can relate to. So it can be a, a fun family activity to do also. And I love the idea of these aliens coming down to earth and uh, exploring food for the first time because they've never been exposed to it. So there is no, you can't be judgmental. Is this food good, bad? Does it taste good? Does it taste bad? Is it good for you? Is it not good for you? So you, approaching it from an alien's point of view takes a lot of that judgmentalism out of it. Um, and you could do this with anything from, I think they might use a piece of chocolate. You could do it with a a stalking cracker or anything that has a little complexity of taste and texture uh, to it. 
And so that, that can be a really good uh, place to start. Um, also, um, as my mom always said, um, plan your work and then work your plan. Um, so going into every day with a plan is really important. Uh, that plan would include, yeah, foods uh, that you want to include in your day, foods that you know will help nourish your body, but also those things that um, may be pleasurable to you. One can get most of their nutrients if they are eating healthily about 80, 85% of the time. So we can have those in occasional indulgences, but the important is the important part about that is that they're planned indulgences. So if you go into the day with a plan, include some of those um, maybe higher calorie foods or less healthy foods, um, maybe in smaller amounts or less often, but uh, including them can take the, the sensationalism out of them. Um, thinking about that, uh, you know, I was thinking about, uh, you know, kid, when I was a kid opening a, a, a Christmas present, uh, something that I just wanted so badly because I thought it was going to make my life wonderful for the rest of my life. Um, how long does the enjoyment of that really last once you open it. Um, it can be that and you start exploring it and you know playing with it. You might not find that it's all that enjoyable or fascinating after all. And it's the same way with food. If we say we're never going to eat something again, it almost puts it on a pedestal and makes it even more desirable. Then after, then if we incorporate some of that into our eating pattern, eat it mindfully, we might find that, oh, we're, we're satisfied with just a little bit of that. And it's, it's not all that enticing as we, our, our brain is making it out to be. Another problem that people have can get into over uh, the holidays is they're busy and they find themselves not eating often enough. Uh, this can lead to uh, the problem that uh, you may be eating one or two big meals a day instead of uh, nourishing your body throughout the day. Uh, and one stomach can actually become distended and uh, you, then you require more food to have that sense of fullness. So uh, it make, making sure that you schedule uh, smaller meals, maybe a little bit more often at first until you can be accustomed to eating a smaller amount of food, uh, possibly scheduling the timing of meals, even about every three hours or so apart. Uh, they may be a, a small mini meal, uh, such as a, you know, a, a yogurt and a piece of fruit and a, a a small handful of nuts or something like that. It doesn't have to be a formal meal, uh, but um, having something just so uh, to carry you over so you don't go too long without eating and that you go into the next meal ravenous. Um, and then you, you also want to consider where you're going to be that day. Uh, it, life is not always uh, predictable and we, we need to consider if we're going to be you know, out on the road, are we going to be running errands? Um, are we going to you know, be at a child's sporting activity? So uh, am I going to need to have some food to take with me? Uh, if I, I'm going to stop and get uh, get something at a restaurant, uh, what are some go-tos that uh, it can uh, be reasonably healthy? Um, because spontaneous eating just doesn't work in our environment. Uh, there, there, uh, you know, there's there's too much food around. Uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, toxic food, in a sense, food that. Uh, is designed uh, sometimes even to make us uh, desire more of that food. Um, I use the uh, term loosely, but uh, semi-addictive in nature. So, um, uh, you know, having a, having a plan is an important part of the process and uh, not expecting perfection once again to our plan, but using that plan more like a GPS. Uh, if we want to uh, get to a, that warm, sunny location in the south, we're much more likely uh, to 
arrive there and arrive there promptly if uh, we have that GPS that, yeah, we may have a few diversions along the way. There might be a little uh, point of interest that uh, takes us off track, but the sooner that uh, we get back on track, the better. And uh, having a meal plan going into the, the day is um, going to help us get there a lot sooner. You know, everything you've said just really, you know, seems like that it could really just have such a positive impact on your health, you know? So are, is there anything or any, are there any other ways that mindful eating uh, has a positive impact on your diet nutrition that you haven't mentioned yet? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, it, I mean, it just helps our eating habits overall. Uh, it can uh, lead to uh, more nutritious uh, foods. Uh, it can lead to a, a much greater enjoyment of foods. Uh, I say one of the best uh, factors of practicing mindful eating is that we actually enjoy food more but in smaller amounts, uh, like they say, serve the best wine first, right? The, the, uh, we can, if, if, you, the, if we can learn to savor our foods, uh, engage all the different uh, um, um, sensory uh, aspects of the food, um, and we can be satisfied in uh, a kitty cone versus a, uh, you know, a double scoop uh, ice cream goat. Um, it, it uh, regulates eating patterns. Uh, it, it can truly help with uh, emotional eating and disordered eating patterns, such as binge eating, which is the most popular eating, uh, the most common eating disorder, I should say. Um, and practicing mindful eating guides one internally as to when to start eating, when to stop eating based on internal cues. Um, it can help one, the practices can help one to eat more slowly. Uh, the digestive enzymes are start in the mouth. And so uh, food is digested uh, better um, that uh, if someone has digestion problems, eating more slowly can immensely help with that. Uh, a lot of the practices include chewing food well, uh, which also helps with the digestive processes uh, there, there's also an enhanced appreciation for foods. A lot of the mindful eating practices will focus on thinking where the food came from. A lot of kids have absolutely no idea where foods come from. It, it's actually quite hilarious. Try asking your child uh, where uh, a Brussels sprout comes from or you know, where a, this particular nut comes from or where a pea comes from. You, you'll get some funny answers because they, there's such a disassociation between uh, the, where the origination of the food and farming and the processes that it takes to, to get that food. Uh, it also, the practices include focusing on an appreciation for food for everybody that put effort into producing that food and a sense of thankfulness for all the ways that it's benefiting our bodies. Um, so it can lead to an overall sense of gratitude uh, and, and a positive um, appreciation for food. Um, it increases helpful food choices. Um, and uh, of course, um, it, can, it supports weight management indirectly uh, by becoming um, more internally focused on um, hunger, on um, uh, satiation and satiety and so forth versus external regulations. So it can be extremely freeing um, as far as that's concerned. Uh, People, yes, they'll track calories and uh, so forth. And yes, can, can one lose weight doing that? Yes, but uh, how many people are going to track what they eat uh, for an extended period of time? Um, that gets laborious, that gets taxing. Um, it takes the enjoyment out of food. 
so this can be a, a very freeing approach uh, towards weight management. I mean, all of that sounds, uh, you know, just so ideal, you know, but, uh, you know, I, as with anything, things will inevitably get challenging and maybe you'll slip up here and there, or, you know, things will get busy, you'll get stressed and some of these habits might fall by the wayside, you know, so how do we make sure that we're sticking to our healthy habits and, and making better choices when things do get kind of difficult? Yeah. Well, uh, as I, as I tell my patients, we are fighting a war and uh, like I mentioned before, food is everywhere. Everybody's trying to get to eat, to eat more. Um, and uh, would you go out and fight a war as a, a solo person? No, you would not. You need, you know, you need that army. Um, you need that whole battalion uh, of support. Um, I also think of the flock of geese. Uh, you know, when one gets tired, they fall back in, in their formation and let the other, the draft that the others create in front of them carry them. So, you know, we need support from other people. Um, we, so we need to rally support. That might be, um, you know, a personal friend that really has our back. A lot of people can actually, uh, you know, say they have our back, but uh, they may sabotage our efforts out of uh, jealousy or their own uh, self-conscious that maybe they're not taking as much action as they want to and so forth. Um, so we really want to make sure that the people we seek out for support and accountability are really on our side. Um, and um, it may be joining a, um, a, a group you know, where they offer support. And really any uh, good eating weight management program out there would, uh, that would be an aspect of their program is that they offer um, support and accountability, both expert support and, and peer support because nobody better knows what you're going through than others that are you know, in the same situation, fighting those same battles. And they, others have experienced um, uh, and practiced strategies that may have been beneficial for them and uh, you know, that they may pass that knowledge on to you. So there's nothing more important than feeling understood and that somebody else has been in the same shoes. And um, believe me, there are a lot of others that are experiencing the exact same things you are. And just knowing that and self can uh, be very helpful. Um, so, um, yeah, whether it's a in-person program, a virtual program, an app or whatnot, that's something to seriously consider about engaging in, um, to, as far as getting that support from others. Also, um, you know, try to get support from the, just family members, um, as much as possible. There's a lot of food pushers out there. I have quite a few in my family and, uh, you know, really taking time to explain to them, you know, why you want to make some changes, um. And uh, if you make it very personal, um, and uh, they they can often be very supportive. And I, I have found that if you focus on um, appearance or just weight in itself, they probably will not. You probably will not get that much support because they're going to start comparing themselves to you and saying, "Well, like, oh, you don't need to lose any weight and this and that." But on the other hand, if you say, "You know, um, uh, gosh, um, I, I, I." really want to uh, have more energy because I'm finding that, you know, I'm getting tired early and, you know, th then all I want to do is, you know, take a nap when I get home from work and I really want to go out with you and have fun. And, <laughs> or um, I want to be able to, you know, watch the grandchildren more and be able to really engage with them rather than getting uh, tired as soon as I uh, start wrestling with them and playing with them. Um, who wouldn't want 
uh, somebody to take over their grandchildren <laughs> so they can get a little break. So if you can make a tie-in some kind of benefit for them also, um, that that can even um, you know enhance, engage them and get them on your side. Um, people want to show love towards other people through food so often. That's one of the biggest barriers is that um, a, a person doesn't want to say no because that's almost like rejecting that, that person's love towards them. So letting them know that you know, if you want to do something special for me, um, this is what how you can do it. You can bring me you know, some flowers once a week when you go to the when you go to the grocery store or whatnot, and um, you can give me a little you know back rub or whatnot. But I'm really you know trying to stay away from this. Um, so um, letting people know how they can show their love and care through things other than food uh, can be uh, help help the, to get others engaged and be make it more sustainable also. You know, so uh, when people do start making better dietary choices and, you know, they have the support, then how soon do people typically see results and, and what changes do people tend to see when they start to eat better? You know, I think we've mentioned that, you know, mentally you feel a little better. You might have a little more energy. What are some other things? Yeah. So, um, you just may, you may feel that you have, um, more control. Uh, again, uh, food can be like a, a stalker, a very unwelcome guest uh, to your house. Uh, you want you you want your food choices to feel like a welcome guest. Uh, so that may uh, uh, be one of the first things that you notice is that uh, I am starting to feel like uh, instead of having this intrusive, uh, um, emotionally damaging stalker um, every at my door multiple times a day. Um, I'm feeling more control um, over over my food choices and um, that you, you have this sense of freedom about that. Um, you may, uh, so that is one of the first things, um, you may notice again, um, improvements, physical improvements in digestion, in, um, uh, uh, yes, uh, the way uh, your mental alertness, you may have more sustained energy because you don't have these highs and lows and blood sugars and energy, temporary energy um, increases and crashes. Um, you may find that you don't have uh, some of those other symptoms that may go along with that uh, as far as lack of concentration. Or some people can actually get shaky or dizzy or whatnot if they have a regular eating patterns. Um, uh, so yeah, I, the, the benefits uh, go on and on. As far as uh, big changes in um, body weight or body composition, those, those may take a little bit longer. And sometimes when you start practicing mindful eating, you don't see any changes. You may even have a slight increase in body weight. Um, I typically encourage people not to weigh themselves when they, uh, um, especially when they initially start mindful eating, because it's more about the uh, developing new practices and new habits versus that number on the scale. And the number on the scale, isn't always a reflection of how you're eating. It could be a reflection of uh, fluid changes in the body. It could be in females related to menstrual cycles. It, you, there's a lot of different factors that can in, uh, affect particularly short-term weight changes. Uh, you know, somebody may be losing muscle mass and gaining body fat and yet their weight stays exactly the same. Uh, so for many people, the, the freedom of food roles uh, is one of the uh, quickest uh, realized um, experiences and uh, one of the most rewarding. 
Well, you know, uh, as we're winding down here, you know, I think everything we've talked about, you know, for anyone thinking about a New Year's resolution, what do you say to them? You know, so many New Year's resolutions fall short. So how do we stay on track? You know, it seems like a lot of the things we've been talking about in terms of how we can change our mindset maybe might apply here too. Yeah, so it's going to help us to sustain our new habits again by um, gaining support, by gaining accountability, by going into it with the right mindset that I'm going to work on improving skills and gaining new skills to support my success. Um, I'm going to... really fight to maintain a positive attitude and uh, surround myself with people that are supportive and uh, that will help me to succeed. Uh, it's important in anything that you take on in life. Um, that it, re- Acknowledging every day that it's a process and that you give yourself grace for not being perfect. We don't expect anybody around us to be perfect. We don't expect our kids to be perfect. We expect them to grow. We expect them to learn from our mistakes um, and problem solve and find new ways to do things that work for them as individuals. Um, we want to, we encourage others to be their uh, best versions of themselves, to uh, be creative. Um, and we need to apply those same principles to ourselves. We need to give ourselves grace. We need to not look at getting off track as a failure, but as an opportunity to learn and discover more about ourselves and what helps us to work in an individual way that may be very different than the, the person next to me. Um, so uh, like you mentioned, Annie, so much is uh, you know, about going into it right with the right attitude, maintaining the right attitude. Um, a lot of it starts in the brain. Awesome. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add that we haven't talked about? Um, I, I really just encourage you to, yeah, others to take that plunge um, and challenge, take that challenge to get uh, off the diet mentality. It's, uh, it, it's hard to do, uh, especially if uh, you've been tied into it for a long time. Um, it, it can be somewhat scary uh, to throw out the, uh, you know, the strict eating rules um, and uh, start that journey and of exploration, but uh, it could just be so rewarding. So uh, possibly start by looking into some of the resources and exercises um, that I mentioned um, from the Center for Mindful Eating. Um, EatingMindfully.com is a website uh, by our own Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Susan Albers, which also offers a lot of um, good information. So uh, yeah, easy to uh, click on some of those sites, check out some of that that information. you know, maybe try a little mindful eating practice um, as an introduction. Wonderful. So there's, there are a lot of places you can go to uh, learn about mindful eating. That's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Well, Maxine, thank you so much for being here today. It's it's very appreciated. And everything you've shared, I think will be extremely helpful for everyone uh, in the new year and beyond. Oh, it, it was fun and I'm glad I um, got to talk with you and have a happy new year, Annie and everybody else out there. Wonderful. All of us get off track with our diets at some point, especially around the holidays. However, working with an expert can help you identify problem areas and get your eating habits back on track.
If you'd like to find out more information about mindful eating and making positive health changes in the new year, visit www.clevelandclinic.org nutrition. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest health tips, news, and information.